Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental well-being. Each week I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm talking to Lauren Brennan who is the Managing Director of Project Knitwell. You can find links to Project Knitwell and any of the yarns and patterns that Lauren and I discuss in the show notes. Hi Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Mia. I I appreciate the opportunity to talk about knitting for wellness. Thank you for joining me. So I always start by asking how your story with knitting began. Mm, You know, I feel like my story isn't terribly unique. I was taught to knit in the fourth grade uh, by my grandmother. And how uh, old is fourth grade for those of us who don't? um... I I was uh, just uh, just about less, uh, just about nine, almost 10. Yeah, so pretty young. And um, I was very good with my hands. And my grandmother recognized that I really enjoyed working with my hands. Um, The unusual part of my story is that um, the time that she taught me, she was going through experimental treatment for an aggressive kidney cancer. And she um, was really in a time of stress for her. I think it was an opportunity for her to pass down a long-standing tradition. Many, mm. many families have grandmothers and mothers who knit. Um, but I think it was a wellness tool for her in that moment. And she recognized that she could teach me that wellness tool and uh, really share a lifelong tool with me. Um, I still have, um, actually, I keep it here on my desk, the original project on the needle <laughs> that wow, we shared amazing. together. Yeah. And it, you know, it has all these bits and bobbles and all of these little, you know, little squirrely bits, but she um, was very patient with me and you can see where she worked with me at the beginning. And then it gets wider and wider somehow. I was very often find that with (laughs) people I've taught. I think it's sometimes when you, the yarn gets flipped over the back and you turn the first stitch on the needle into two stitches, I think. Right. Those That's unintentional perfect, increases. You still have it. Yeah. yeah the, the increases on the edge are really, um, you know, I was, I was letting it grow and I didn't even know that no. that was what I was up to. <laughs> I always, I, I always tell people that I teach to knit that every mistake is actually a technique. And yeah. so really, you know, I was going for a crescent, right? I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah amazing that's so amazing you still have it I think that's yeah my mom found it in an old trunk not too long ago and I can't even believe that it's on the same needles that my grandmother shared and um I should have it framed you know I should frame it or something but I like to hold on to it every once in a while and I put it up on my bulletin board so oh that's amazing thank you for sharing that so that you've still got your first ever project that you did with your grandma yeah and did you keep knitting straight away or was there a time where you didn't knit I did I knit for quite a while Um, I did some finger knitting I did Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, weaving looms you know tiny little loom work Um, i my walls in my childhood bedroom were covered in little projects that I'd made. Okay. Um, they still are covered in some of them, actually. Really? Uh, which, yeah, my parents are uh, are good at preserving our, our childhood memories, I think. That's <laughs> um, amazing. But I think that I had a long gap 
um, between probably, you know, late middle school into college. Um, mm -hmm. And when I went to college, a friend of mine was studying in Ireland, actually. Okay. And I went to visit her and we were on a local bus. Uh, she was studying there. So we were, you know, we were not quite tourists, but we met these old women that were knitting and they said, here, here, take this wool, here, take this wool and knit with us. And they were insistent that we knit. And, you know, I had not knit in years, but I remembered the pattern and mm -hmm. I remembered how to knit just yeah. like riding a bike. Yeah. And I was kind of amazed that that was possible, that I could just pick it right back up. Yeah. And at the next bus stop, they uh, literally almost dragged us to a yarn shop and I bought <laughs> a bunch of uh, Irish wool that was beautiful. I still have it. Wow. <laughs> and I, I spent a lot of the rest of the trip uh, knitting, you know, basic garter stitch. That was sort of my... Um, my flashback to knitting was not very advanced. I never sure. really had had much advanced knitting at that point. But um, but those repetitive stitches, that's the value uh, to me. Yeah, that's amazing. An amazing story. And I'm sure they probably have no idea how significant that was and what you've ended up doing now. <laughs> yes, I wish I could go back in a time machine and, and talk to them again and yeah. find out what their story was. And they were very interesting ladies that they were even interested in talking to us was, was a joy really. Yeah. And that, you know, you already had, you already knew how to knit. Did they know that? Yeah. Well, it was funny. I said, Oh, I used to knit, you know, yeah. so I, I had shared that, but it had been many, many years. Um, mm -hmm. But I was always pretty, pretty, um, my hands are really, I think, engaged with a certain part of my brain. So I think I was always pretty handy. And um, some, you know, I think knitting's not for everyone, but some yeah. people are really driven uh, by handwork. And yeah. I think that that uh, ignites a certain part of our brains. And, mm. um, you know, really scientifically, it's proven to be um, a, a really great tool for a lot of people to, uh, to regulate their, um, their hands. Actually, there's a book by Frank Wilson called the hand. Uh -huh. And it talks about how your hand is connected to 60% of your brain activity, oh. uh, which if you think about the, the, the activity that goes on in your brain, I mean, 60% is pretty significant. So if you're able to ignite that much of your brain with bilateral knitting yeah. uh, movements, you're really able to bring yourself uh, out of pain responses, you're able to bring yourself down and regulate all of the neurotransmitters that are igniting in us every day. And mm. some are good and some are bad. Um, so I've, I'm excited that um, I, whenever I can teach someone to knit when they're facing any sort of pressure or stress or, or give them that tool ahead of that point, I think it's, um, it's such a benefit uh, for the long-term you know, advances that go on within our, um, within our, our mental health and, and also just in the neuroplasticity of our brain. Um, yeah. And obviously now you're involved with Project Knitwell and that's something you're doing yeah. for a living. But I wonder for you personally, when that link first dawned on you or when you first experienced that as something that knitting was not just doing something with your hands but it was actually helping on a psychological level yeah that that is a really great question I was thinking about the um the title of your you know the title of your podcast is why why you knit right yeah. why I knit and I feel like I knit because I have to 
okay. which may sound very extreme or overstated. Not um, to me. I, <laughs> not to you. Good, good. <laughs> but I really believe that it helps bring me back to a baseline. Um, it provides just an overall sense of calm and well-being. Um, I think it took me a while to realize that these are proven benefits scientifically. Mm. It, um, you know, I, I, I shake my head now thinking, of course it lowers my blood pressure. I can really feel that. Yeah. And it took me a while to make the connection between the scientific evidence and uh, what Project Knitwell tries to do is provide more outlets for research to give people more of a mindset that this is actually a tool for well-being and a tool for wellness and not just a luxurious hobby mm. or, you know, an opportunity to unwind. It's just really recentering um, and, and rebalancing those chemicals in your brain and uh, giving you a sense of satisfaction at the same time. I think there are so many activities that can rebalance our brain, like meditation and yoga and all of these other activities that other people find uh, as releases. But I think that um, knitting has the added benefit of something, a presentable at the end, a yeah. gift that you can give someone or um, something that you can have as a tangible piece, a sentimental piece too. I love to knit on trips. And it, to me, that is my souvenir of the trip. Yeah. You know, it's a memory that I hold. Uh, you know, I remember where I made each of the shawls that I have. And um, I can I can keep track of the 17 sweaters I knit during COVID. Which is <laughs> 17. I, That's impressive. I, I think of how absurd that is. But, you know, I, I really genuinely was knitting because I had to. Mm. It kept me going. And. And when there was no other, no other sense of satisfaction, I always had my knitting and that yeah. day, you know, every day that I could cast something off was a day where I felt particularly satisfied. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how about once you've finished the thing, it sounds like you do keep that kind of relationship with the object. Yes, I, I agree. I think that even when you give something as a gift, or maybe mm. especially as you give something as a gift, it becomes a really sentimental uh, piece of you. Uh, and it's funny, I think I, you know, I, I don't always give knitted gifts to other knitters. Um, so sometimes people don't quite get uh, how much has gone into the item yeah. that you're sharing with them. And that can be challenging. Sometimes you want to make sure that you're giving the gift to someone that, uh, that gets it, you yeah. know, they, they understand the, uh, the effort and the, um, you know, the feeling that went into that, um, is I think is important. Uh, but I, yeah, I keep, I keep all of my knits. Do you feel like you have quite a few items that have a sentimental attachment to, or. Yeah, definitely. And I think in a, in a similar way to you, actually, um, I think I have grown into my the way in which I've used knitting deliberately to help mm. me. And I think I did it because, you know, I started doing it. My mum suggested it as a way of managing kind of exam stress yeah. <laughs> when I started my training because she'd met someone else who'd learned to bricklay and she thought I needed to do something that was unrelated to psychology. So she said, why don't you um learn to knit or relearn I'd learned as a kid and um it kind of took off from there really but it has taken me a while to really think about the many ways that it has helped me and I think now I deliberately choose projects for 
significant moments or transitions like when I left working in the NHS the National Health Service here that was a big thing in terms of my career and I felt like I needed a big project to take me through that transition so I started a particular shawl that I'd been kind of planning to knit and that was a project that now I still have it and associate it with that transition in my life. That's so wonderful yes Mm. yes I I love that that you use the word deliberate because I do think it can be really a, uh, a something that you think about. And I think knitters really are deliberate in a lot of what we do. And I think that uh, that's a good, that's a really good word to describe kind of the practical approach to a new project and, and thinking of it as something that's deliberately improving your wellness and, uh, you know, and helping you um, and driving you towards a sense of accomplishment that you wouldn't necessarily have in other things. And, and also, like you mentioned, it could be a distraction, you know, it could be a way to get, to pull yourself out of something that may be all consuming and it might be better to be more balanced about it. Hmm. It'd be really helpful to hear about Project Knitwell and how that um, started and about your involvement. Absolutely. So Project Knitwell has been a formal nonprofit since uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we just celebrated our 11th birthday, which Happy is a birthday. very long standing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, we're very excited uh, to provide knitting as a wellness tool in hospital settings and community settings uh, throughout our, this region. Um, we have also expanded to providing virtual knitting instruction through Knitwell in the Cloud, uh, which we're very excited to have more touch points and more opportunity for people to feel connected to knitting. Um, we have found that uh, we've taught over 6,000 knitters. Yeah. Um, uh, new knitters have been born, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I think is really powerful. And we're really reaching them primarily at the point uh, where they are most stressed. Uh, so we work with patients, we work with their caregivers, uh, people that are primarily uh, waiting and um, they may need something that pulls them out of their patient status, right? So everything mm. they deal with in the day has to do with their illness. And if we can bring in knitting as a distraction or as something that uh, can provide them a sense of um, calm uh, to soothe them and comfort them in that moment, that's really our ultimate goal. Um, where we have uh, our mission is uh, knitting with a purpose for comfort, wellness, and community. And I think of uh, comfort as that point of stress. So we come in and we swoop in when they're actually in the hospital receiving uh, treatment for cancer, and we're providing it at that point as a comfort. Uh, But wellness, I think of that as a preventative measure. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to reach people um, before they hit a point of stress um, so that they can build their parachute, if you will. They can Mm -hmm. have knitting as part of their mental health toolkit. Uh, that so when they do have a crisis moment, they can turn to knitting to stabilize that uh, and give them an opportunity to release that tension. And then community, of course, is really the top of our of our house. That's the roof above all of it. Um, and really, community is what drives a lot of us to continue to knit uh, and building that sense of uh, you think about the future and how uh, knitting can provide a sense of well-being amongst senior citizens that 
come together in knitting circles, young people too, not, not just everyone that comes together and knits. It provides a really strong sense of community, mm. which I think is a really wonderful piece of the pie. So most of the people you're working with, are they new to knitting or are some of the people who have knitted previously? We work with both. Yeah. Um, I would say primarily we're teaching new knitters. Uh, mm -hmm. There are quite a few people that will say, oh, I, I learned from my grandmother when I was young, yeah. but I haven't knit in a really long time. So mm -hmm. sometimes we're catching them back up to speed. Uh, but I would say that the people that find it most rewarding are those that may have never tried it. Mm -hmm. And they think, oh, I'm not sure if I'll be good at this, or um, I, I'm not that great with my hands. But if they can overcome that, uh, they find that or, uh, we've found that they find the most satisfaction from it in the end. That mm -hmm. perseverance is really powerful. You know, you release so much dopamine when you feel that rush of, oh, I, I really was able to overcome something that I wasn't certain I would be good at um, that. I think a lot of children, I know you work with a lot of children. Do you feel that they have that sense of accomplishment? Like they weren't sure if they could do it, yeah. but they were able to really do and really feeling kind of proud of themselves when they've um, achieved something new and showing it off to other people. And so, yeah, really strong yeah. sense of pride. And I suppose it's something I still feel like I get out of knitting that when I do a new, like recently I've been knitting a hat, um, which has got a very unusual construction. I don't know if you know Woolly Wormhead who designs these amazing hats yes. that are knitted sideways. I have one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I have one right here. It's one of my favorites because it covers my ears. Look at the, uh, this is the, uh, see how she has the break in the back. Oh, it's yes. really wonderful. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm knitting a, the Azula, I think it is. Um, oh. So from the elemental connection, but it's a, a provisional cast on, which is not something I've tried many times and certainly not ever successfully, I'm going to say. Oh. <laughs> but it was a different way of doing that. You'll get there. Yes. With a crochet hook. And I mastered that. And then it was a different, a very different looking pattern that I had to learn how to read. And I, that involved a lot of going back over the first few rows and trying to figure out where it was I'd gone wrong with the short rows. And then I got it and I figured out why. And I still got that boost of, oh, I've achieved something new. So yes, <laughs> even 15 absolutely. years down the line of knitting every day, <laughs> right, I've still right. got that. <laughs> yes. And that actually is the most, the best part about knitting. There's always more. Yeah. There's always more to strive towards and to try out. And there's always little quirky things that you may have forgotten that you could go back to or, um, but I do feel like it's always expanding and, uh, and also the fundamental, just repetitive movements, even regardless of the challenges are really calming and are able to help people get back to baseline also. Are you teaching uh, I, people individually or in groups? We primarily teach one-on-one. -on -one. Uh -huh. We have found that that connection is when we're most successful. And part of it is um, it's challenging to follow along uh, without some, some sort of personal connection. Yeah. Uh, we have occasionally taught in a larger group setting. Uh, we have groups of um, nurses, for instance, that we can uh, come together in a um, 
sort of a professional development workshop to give mm -hmm. them uh, an opportunity to learn what is knitting all about? How would it, you know, can they, they can give it a try in a group setting um, and we'll bounce through, you know, we'll have two or three volunteers that can bounce yeah. around the room and help out. Um, but when we are faced with folks that are in a stressful situation, part of the benefit is really the conversation that you're having with them. And it's not that you're approaching it as an art therapist. You're not there for therapy. Mm -hmm. You're just there to give them a chance to feel like they can have a normal human conversation that doesn't have anything to do with their illness or mm -hmm. whatever stress they're facing. Um, we work with a group of Afghan refugees who don't actually speak English yet, and mm -hmm. they're learning English, but the presence of us and being able to show them with our hands mm -hmm. and both of our hands working in unison, um, just being there together. And they come back with these glorious scarves that are taller than they are. I have this great picture of one of them standing with this enormous scarf that's almost as tall as she is. And mm -hmm. she was so proud to come back um, the, a week after she learned to knit with this giant scarf that she had been so productive with. And so she uh, was immediately, a, new knitter. a brand new knitter. Yes. Oh. And we immediately gave her more yarn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So she'd really run with it. What, what's the kind of feedback you get from some of your um, clients from Project Knitwell? Yeah, that's a great question. I We've really reached out to quite a few uh, younger folks mm -hmm. that we're really trying to uh, figure out ways to make them feel connected with what really is truly not a grandmother's hobby anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really ridiculous to think of it that way. And we have so many uh, young knitters at a uh, school uh, for children with emotional challenges. Mm -hmm. We started running a summer camp there a few years ago, and now we're there all year. And the group of children that join us are really primarily teenagers, mm -hmm. um, are actually almost all boys, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, and they do not have any mindset for girl or boy crafts yeah. or hobbies. And I, I think that's just wonderful. Um, but the feedback that we get from, um, from those students and also from the nursing students that we're working with at the collegiate level they are telling us, you know, I'm spending a lot less time on my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm not scrolling. I can check out of all of that um, video games, all of that. They can instead use their hands and, um, and knit um, mm -hmm. and really find another outlet that's really timeless. And I think giving them um, other benefits that, you know, be, beyond uh, what they would get if they were just uh, reading or uh, doing athletics or other things. There's another layer to knitting uh, that they wouldn't necessarily get if they were always distracted on their phones. And it's mm. so great to just have a chance to, um, I find that I, I put down my phone and, and uh, check out very easily when I'm in a, in a uh, knitting, <laughs> knitting, you know, yeah. in, in a, uh, um, I'm in a different mindset with, uh, when I knit and it helps me really be removed from the rest of, of the worries that might be out there on, um, you know, lingering on the news channels on my phone mm. and so forth. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like a more calming and grounding activity for you. Absolutely. And, and I, I guess you also have yeah. something to show for it. Unlike an hour of scrolling on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes. And you have something that you've, you've been able to put out into the world. You know, mm. it's something that uh, 
you know, in the ancient world, I mean, there were always people working with their hands. And, mm. and also, if you think about um, worry stones and um, beads and things that people will um, use their, they'll have a repetitive movement with their fingers. Mm. Um, and there are so many cultures that have that type of tool. And I think knitting really is is that for so many people with that repetitive movement? Mm -hmm. um, I think of it as meditation with my hands. Mm -hmm. um, so even though I'm not really that great at just meditating, yeah. I do think I get the same benefit or the same feeling that I would get meditating when I'm yeah. knitting a very repetitive pattern that I don't have to necessarily um, pay attention to a chart or. Yeah. There's two types of knitting. I always say I, I've always had, I always have at least two projects, the repetitive, easygoing, portable bag that I can just grab and go to the swimming pool and knit while my kids are swimming. Um, and then I've got the more complicated color work pattern yeah. that I'm really focused in on. And that's when I need the ultimate distraction. And that's really what that, um, that more complicated pattern can somehow have a different set of rewards in the long run too. Yeah. I'm exactly the same with those yeah. two categories. Are you? Oh, good. Exactly good. the same. Because I think sometimes, um, yeah, like you said, you want to do something meditative almost with your hands. And I find certainly for me, I, focus better on something if I was attending a zoom training or something where I had to sit still and listen um I would want to knit and that would help me focus and that could be you know knitting lots of stockinette in the round <laughs> okay. and you know could be a sock or a hat or something and then I would like to have something more complicated like that hat pattern where I do need to focus I need to count and look at a chart but that's for I call it active relaxation where my whole brain needs to be busy doing something in order to allow it to turn off from other stressful things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So active relaxation. That. That's great. <laughs> yes. That, that's a perfect way to describe it. Because and I really, think, I, yeah, I used to go to um, salsa dancing lessons and I noticed that actually there were loads of doctors at salsa and I was thinking, why are they all here? And I think, I, I think, I noticed them talking about it like they couldn't possibly think about what is a stressful and busy job when they were trying to think about doing something different with their hands and their, mm -hmm. you know, their arms and their hands and their feet and listening to music all at the same time. They were just mutually exclusive. And I suppose I feel like that about complicated patterns that, you know, you just can't think about other things at the same time. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's even true in more extreme cases where when people are facing pain in their mm, body, you know, yeah. actual physical pain, yeah. uh, it can really help uh, pull people back. It, it really pulls your brain in a different direction. And uh, so I think physically it, um, and scientifically that has really been proven for so many folks that yeah. you can really reorganize those uh, synapses in your brain. And uh, I, I feel very strongly that there's so much research potential uh, to expand on uh, and Project Knitwell really cares about figuring out ways that we can uh, study more of these benefits that we all already feel yeah. uh, and, and we already know, but how do we prove it is, yeah. the, is the real question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to hear about a significant project for you, Lauren. Um, can you think of a significant knitting project? Could be one of yours or one from Project yeah. Knitwell. 
That is a really great question. And I immediately think of a, um, a sweater that I uh, knit for my husband, which was really, it started really as a labor of love. It was the dude sweater from the big Lebowski, which is a movie uh, that uh, it's uh, who is it? Jeff Bridges is in it. And uh, it's a, it's kind of an edgy uh, quirky indie type movie, but um, it has a very recognizable sweater that has a, um, a very unique pattern to it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it might actually be, a Native American pattern. Okay. So it's, I can, I could show it to you, but um, it was the first project that I, um, I knit in the round. Okay. Um, the Knitter's Dude is by Andrea Rangel, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and she, um, it required a steak, okay. which is um, yeah. cutting into your knitting. <laughs> and yes. this was one of the largest projects I had mm. ever done. And it had all of these gigantic color work floats which are really challenging for color work knitters um, to catch. Um, and I, um, when I cut into that project, I thought, well, here we go. This is just <laughs> going to sink. The ship is either going to sink or sail. And I still think of Presumably that by that point, you'd knitted the entire thing and then you entire were going to cut thing. right I mean, down hours. the center of it. <laughs> yes, hours and hours of work, months, months yeah. of work. And then I was getting my sharpest scissors out and I was getting ready to cut down the center. And luckily I, I did set up the camera. I had the mindset of, I need to show someone and I have really great knitting friends. And I said, I'm, I'm gonna at least show someone that I'm, I'm, I'm cutting into this. If, it, yeah. if, if, the, if the ship sinks, at least I'll have a memory of yeah. the ship sinking. <laughs> So I, um, I have a time-lapse of me cutting, cutting into it. And, uh, I had done every reinforcement. I did the crochet reinforcement. Uh -huh. I'd run the knitting. I, I'd run the sewing machine up and down the line. So I was pretty confident that it wouldn't sink completely. Mm -hmm. Um, but it could have partially, you know, there yeah. could be a partial failure There's as also well. also a leap of faith <laughs> involved. Yeah. 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 But you know what? It was really exhilarating when it worked out and, uh, you know, the, the collar worked out. I ended up making a lot of modifications to the pattern because mm -hmm. it didn't quite fit. Um, there were many iterations. I wanted to have it ready for Christmas and it was too long and it didn't have a, it had a really awkward collar. And so I didn't have it ready for Christmas, but I think I had it ready by the end of January. I had I, I also, not only did I cut down the middle, but I also chopped about six inches off the bottom because wow. it had become a, um, more of a duster than a cardigan okay. <laughs> and men, uh, or at least my husband wasn't as interested in a duster okay. length. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it was an adventure and it definitely felt memorable to me. Um, and I think that it was, uh, it was also a sense of accomplishment. Um, and even though you know, he occasionally wears it. I probably, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't fit quite right. It fits pretty well. There's some good pictures of him in it. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, I think that it's, um, it was still well worth the time spent and the rewarding feeling, um, that I, um, overcame a lot to persevere. I, you know, it could still be sitting in a bag somewhere, but it's yeah. wearable. So, mm. and it, it sounds like it's almost like the knitter's version of skydiving or something. Yes. <laughs> like Absolutely. Adrenaline. Fueled. Yes, it was. And I, I, adrenaline is right. It really did feel that way. And, you know, there was a certain high when it didn't completely unravel. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, a bit yeah. of magic. 
Um, yes, I'm actually. interested in, um, you mentioned a lot of kind of, I don't want to call them failures, but a lot of challenges along the way in that project. And I think that's something many knitters will relate to the idea of, you know, as I say in my knitting group, you know, none of us get to be an experienced knitter without having to unravel very many things. Possibly even most things get unraveled at some point to some extent. I'm interested right. in, I don't know how that feels for you, what musings you have on that in terms of yeah. whether you've learned anything from it for the rest of your life or. Right, right. Well, I'm a big believer in, um, there's a quote that says like the person who doesn't make mistakes is unlikely to make anything. Um, mm. I think um, Paul Arden said that. Okay. And I, I think that knitting is really all about making mistakes. Every mm -hmm. mistake is actually a technique. Um, mm -hmm. And when I teach someone uh, to knit, I'm usually explaining that to them right off the bat. I'm, yeah. I'm saying that right off the bat that, you know, every time you pull the yarn to the front by accident, that's actually a technique that you'll use later on. And that's a relief in a way that they mm -hmm. can think of. They can think of everything as if you make a mistake in a pattern, you know, if you make that mistake repeatedly, it's just a new technique, right? Yeah. Or a new pattern. Yeah. <laughs> or a new pattern. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that, uh, you know, my feeling on um, how things go when you're knitting something and, you know, sometimes projects need to rest also, mm -hmm. you know, if something is aggravating, there's no reason to, uh, there's no reason to give it that aggravation in that moment. You know, don't give it, don't give it that, you know, um, don't give it that level of attention in that moment and just step back from it. Um, I'm, I'm very good at letting my, um, my whips or my work in progress. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at letting them sit yeah. and they don't taunt me the way they might taunt other people. Okay. Sometimes I, I find that some knitters with works in progress, they get really upset. Like, Oh, I haven't finished that yet. I need mm -hmm. to finish it. I need to get back to that. Yeah. And I, I really think that that it's okay to let them rest. Yeah. And, um, I don't want them to taunt me or to make me feel like I'm not accomplishing something by letting it sit for a little while. And, yeah. um, and sometimes it's just nice to come back to it later on. And I think that goes for a lot of things in our mental health that you have to step back from them in order to gain a little bit of perspective on, yeah. Um, maybe you look, look more in depth on what other people did to make that pattern work for them. And I find that going and looking at other people's projects on Ravelry mm -hmm. is helpful. You know, I could say, oh, well, they, it looked like they had the same problem with the collar that I was having. How did they overcome it? Or what did they do differently? Or, um, mm -hmm. or looking at other cardigans, like when I was working on the dude, um, I looked for other ideas of what to do about the collar that may be less awkward. Mm. And I really just invented my own collar. That's totally different than the shawl collar that's called for in the pattern, mm. um, which really wasn't working. Um, so, you know, there's ways to kind of get around and, and then that perseverance and it can be pretty powerful too. Mm. Do you think it spills over into other areas of your life? Do you think you've taken those things you've learned from knitting and helped you to be more, I don't know, mindful of the process or able to tolerate mistakes in inverted commas in other areas? Yeah, I think so. I think I definitely feel like I'm a more patient person because mm -hmm. of knitting. Um, and I've always, I, I, I'm very perseverant. I, I don't, um, I don't usually give up very easily. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a piece that, um, I take with me into other parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think it's a good skill to have or a good 
mindset to have that you can always keep trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's made me more appreciative of the process. I think of other things like, you know, starting a business after I left the National Health Service, not having to have figured it all out and got to the end result immediately, but to be able to think, no, I'm on a journey (laughs) towards that. (laughs) That might be hopefully where I'm headed, but it's all right to not have figured it all out. On day one. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of, of a new project, right? Mm. There's always possibility and you can always take it in a different direction if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. I always ask about a knitting high and a knitting low. I don't know what your mm. thoughts are about that. Line. Yes. Yes. That's a fun question. Actually. I always think about, uh, one of my highs was really, uh, teaching my boys to knit when they were seven and 11 Mm -hmm. and I'll still occasionally many, many years later, find them knitting unprompted occasionally, which is really, it's, I I hope that they think back on their, you know, their, their mom being this very passionate knitter and, Mm -hmm. you know, and sharing it with them. And I hope that at some point in their life, they can turn to it as a wellness tool. Mm. Um, I really enjoy teaching other people to knit mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Project Knitwell, that's our main mission. Our, our mission really is to figure out um, more outlets to give people uh, the opportunity to try out knitting and to yeah. learn with quality materials and uh, quality instruction that's really um, proven over the test of time that we're using what we think is the best method to teach new folks. I have a, um, well, prior to the pandemic, I was, uh, I had a group of neighbors and friends that would come over to knit at my house every other week. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was such a great way to feel connected to each other. And um, we would do uh, knit alongs. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done a knit along where you knit the same pattern? I've Uh, done one with my mum and my sister actually oh, last Christmas, that nice? where we couldn't all be together and yeah. I gave them a kind of I think it was supposed to be a sock set you know oh. where you get a small skein to, of contrasting color for nice. the heels and the toes but actually we made cowls um so the idea was oh. to all knit the same the same cowl. yes I love um, that because they're more practical for walking dogs because the dog's not going to grab hold the end of the scarf. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That's very true. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I think that's probably the only one I've done. And that was one we just, I just made up. Yeah. It's a personal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sometimes that's the best because then you have complete control. And one, one of the knit alongs that I did with um, some friends of mine, what it was a mystery knit along with um, Hohi Locatelli did the, um, the starting point, which is this gigantic yes, shawl. and that's what I knit when I left the NHS, actually. Oh, no And kidding. it was quite poignant oh. that it was kind of two halves, which I saw yes. as like the two halves of my career joining in the center. Coming together. Oh, I love that. It's so <laughs> symbolic, right? So yeah. this is my insanely large starting point, wow, right? that's and beautiful. It, it just kept going and going, right? Yeah. But wasn't it fun to do? Did you do it as a mystery? Like you, you did it right along with the pattern release? No, I didn't. Or? I did it late after everyone else had done it. Oh, so I so knew you had all seen of it. the clues. So it wasn't a mystery, but oh, actually it's strangely yeah. in very similar colors to yours. 
Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's fun. Oh, I'd love to see. Yeah, the funnest, the really fun part about this is we had no idea what shape it would be. Yeah. We had no idea how the mystery would come together. And when when she said, okay, now start over and do another piece on the other side, we all shook our heads like, oh, no, this can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun to have it unfold. Oh, my goodness. That's mine. We, we have a matching set of start points. Look How at that. Interesting. That yeah. So it's kind of just yeah. to describe for people listening to the podcast who obviously can't see that <laughs> I guess mine is in shades of white and almost black and then shades of gray with a purple. And yours, yes. I think it's quite it's a, a dark blue, which kind of matches yeah. your black yeah. and some shades of kind of a, um, a tealy purpley blue. So yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I just loved this pattern, everything yeah. about it. And, um, my friends knitted, knit it with me. So we mm-hmm. all had different versions and, uh, the gauge, I mean, some people's were even larger than mine. Yeah. I'm a, a, you know, tight knitters, loose knitters everywhere in between. And, uh, and, uh, we've really, I, I really enjoy the opportunity to come together with folks and knit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to Rhinebeck, which was a really uh, mm-hmm. a high in my knitting, um, uh, career, you know, in, in terms of being a knitter on the East Coast in the yeah. United States, going to Rhinebeck, which is New York uh, Sheep and Wool Festival, yeah. is kind of the pinnacle of um, uh, you're surrounded by people who are true believers in the power of knitting, really. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, a pilgrimage, if yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how about a knitting low? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question because I do get so many highs uh, mm. from knitting. Uh, but I, sp- I suppose there have been many times that I've had um, gauge issues with mm-hmm. just a beautiful yarn that I was very excited about that just didn't knit up the way I hoped it would. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It could get saggy or just kind of have a drape that wasn't really that appealing. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, even when it doesn't come out as you expect, uh, you can always re-knit things. Mm. That's the beauty of knitting. Yeah. You can always pull it out again yeah. and you can um, find a greater reward in frogging it and then trying over. And yeah. uh, that's part of the, you know, and sometimes the biggest obstacles in knitting that I, that I think about, I think I actually got a really strong dopamine kick from it. You know, mm. I was really going to overcome it and, and move forward to a higher reward. And I think that, whether you're a beginner knitter or an advanced knitter, it's really easy to feel that sense of accomplishment. And, Mm. um, and I like to think of it as an opportunity to, um, to face a challenge that Mm. isn't, you know, it isn't life-threatening, nothing bad is going to happen, but it gives you a chance to feel like you were able to, um, to try something that may have been challenging and overcome it. Yeah. I talk about that, the kind of the idea of making safe mistakes, like, the, yeah. you know, we struggle with doing things that might go wrong. I suppose generally that can feel difficult, but I, I think it is, like you said, it's a way of doing something where you try something new and probably there will be things that go wrong, but you can, unless you get the scissors out, I always say, which is why the steaking <laughs> is feels so challenging. You yes. can always unravel it. So it is a fairly safe way of making mistakes and practicing Absolutely. with tolerating that and overcoming them, I suppose. Right. Right. And I hope that, I hope that, uh, 
my children or even my friends see that when we overcome things together like that, you know, that they see that, that sense of safe, you know, safe mistakes really are powerful to, mm. to give you a sense of resilience. Um, and Project Knitwell really wants to provide folks that are facing that stressful situation, a sense of hope, a sense that they are resilient, that they are um, fundamentally human in their they're striving towards something that um, could be as simple as loops on a needle, right? That yeah. it doesn't have to be complicated and um, keeping things at the fundamental, simple level of, uh, you know, those individual stitches that all come together into something really beautiful mm. is, is pretty powerful. And I, I'm excited that uh, when, whenever someone new comes to our online, uh, we have an online uh, knit two together community group. And mm -hmm. when they come with a new project to share, you know, that sense of pride that they have and showing it off and um, sharing it with someone uh, that they've just met on the internet, or they've mm. just met in a hospital waiting room, or any number of community settings that we've been able to interact with folks. I think it's a great equalizer um, and an opportunity for people to just focus on the texture of the yarn, the color of the yarn, and the, um, the beauty of that is so simple. Hmm. And I guess, you know, maybe as adults, we don't get so many opportunities to do like show and tell. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so look, exactly. here's something I've done or made. And I suppose yeah. kids are probably better at that because we encourage it in them and give them opportunities to do it. But I guess it's not something that necessarily lands on your lap as yeah. an adult <laughs> yes I think we all need show and tell yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. yeah so I generally end the interview Lauren with the uh, question about what's the greatest gift knitting has given you for the rest of your life oh goodness oh my goodness well the the greatest gift I think is really in the lesson of finding finding something that grounds you that mm -hmm. gives you some just a sense of overall calm and well-being and if it's knitting, I, I hope that um, I hope that you can share that passion with me. But if it's something else, I I just hope that everyone finds an outlet that is as um, as powerfully rewarding for them as knitting is for me. Mm. Oh, that's great! Thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure there'll be people yeah. who want to hear more about Project Knitwell or about you. Where can they find out about that? Absolutely. Uh, we have a website, projectknitwell.org, mm -hmm. uh, and we're very excited to connect with folks. Uh, we have a uh, newsletter that you can subscribe to that mm -hmm. keeps you in touch with all of our happenings. And uh, Knitwell in the Cloud is very powerful for us now because it helps us connect with folks all over the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're especially excited to have more volunteers uh, that teach virtually. Um, mm -hmm. And we are we're here to train people in uh, the methods that we've uh, found to be tried and true. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really feel that uh, more boots on the ground in waiting rooms and hospitals and community groups, uh, schools, uh, teachers, uh, we are so passionate about reaching out to as many communities. So if, if you're a doctor or a nurse or a teacher that's facing burnout or feeling that compassion fatigue, we want to help you. We want to connect you to knitting. Um, we want to find a way to give you the opportunity to find out if knitting is right for you. Mm -hmm. So 
definitely reach out to connect with us. Um, and I look forward to continuing to uh, spread wellness and, and spread knitting as a wellness tool. Thank you so much for joining me, Lauren. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the why i knit podcast if you'd like to find out more about therapeutic knitting you can follow me on instagram at knitting is therapeutic or check out my website therapeuticknitting.org to be notified when a new podcast is released please subscribe on your podcast app